Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio, episode 36. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash higher balance. Magnetic Pill, specially formulated for advancing meditators by advanced meditators. Designed by the rebel guru himself, Eric Pepin, Magnetic Pill was made to enhance results with all higher balance training. Accelerate sensory development, achieve deeper meditations, better overall focus, and so much more. Go to magneticpill.com forward slash rebel for $10 off every month or get a three month supply with our buy two, get one free special. Order now and we'll include a free guide listing three techniques you can start doing right away to hone your psychic mind. We'll also include a guided manifestation exercise led by Eric Pepin digitally, also free of charge. In this episode, we discuss the all-too-common challenges of anxiety and depression. Discover how to find happiness and inner peace while at the same time maintaining a realistic perspective on the necessary ups and downs of life as a white cell. We also get an inside look at Eric's personal life, what fascinates him about the human experience, what he looks forward to, and more. Enjoy. I wanted to say in this podcast series, um, we've asked you just so many questions about so many different topics, but we haven't really touched on you at all. And so you're the one that's delivering this knowledge. And I'm just wondering if we can go into a few personal questions about you. Maybe, maybe not. Sounds very ominous. Where are you at in your life right now? And would you consider this an important checkpoint or kind of a, an important chapter change or? I mean, if you want genuine, genuine, I'll, I'll give you genuine, genuine. Okay. Yeah. Where am I at in my life right now? I'm at a point where I'm 50 years old going on 51. I still don't think I know any more than, than I've known 10, 20 years ago, I suppose, but I certainly feel a lot wiser. As far as where I'm at, um, I'm in a really good place. I mean, you know, my whole life I've wanted to have a property that I could work with other people on a personal level. And we always have to do these events elsewhere. We have to do, uh, you know, workshops elsewhere. And I've never had the opportunity or the luxury to have a piece of property that I could work with and create a training facility, you know, X-Men Center Mansion. And I feel like that, that this is a huge um moment at least in my life that now we have this this property it's like 10 acres big and we can work with people i can develop the property to do all these unique things that i've always talked about wanting to build and do and to to be able to work and train with people so i'm at this really great place in my life that i feel i can start to fulfill like 
some next stage. You know, it was originally it was my dream to be able to put some teachings out and publish some some books, start a maybe a way to teach people. And I mean, that's really gotten huge now. I mean, we're global, and it's just unimaginable to to think about when I look back at it that actually that we were able to achieve this. And now when I when I look at it, you know, the next thing that I wanted to do was to to of course go out and to teach people and do workshops and lectures which we've done but it was incredibly restricting on other people's properties or facilities and then you know the, the big dream was one day to have a property to, to do that on now is it ideally what i envision no is, is anything in life what you envision you gotta make it into that and so with the property i i think it's phenomenal and i think it's able to create what 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 I want to do. So if you're going to ask me where am I, I'm, you know, in my life, I'm at a, a place where I think that I can settle down at 50, going on 51 now, and just teach from a place that I can create and imbue and do probably the best work I've ever done in my whole life. And, and that is to work with other people here. So does somebody who is a, a you know, spiritually highly advanced, even you, have you? Would you say that you you've you've sought a level of inner peace, and have you found more of that? You know, I think inner peace is something that is this great white whale. Uh, I I think that you know, do do I have inner peace? Yeah, I, I have inner peace, but when I when I think of inner peace, it brings up these like Shaolin monk kind of images or these Buddhist spirituals and everything and i i think that i'm such a realist that that you know i want to say to to people look that i don't necessarily believe that there is an absolute level of of inner peace that life is a is a cycle of highs and lows creation destruction creation destruction and i think the closest thing to finding peace in your life is to come into terms with understanding that that there are struggles continuously in your life. And if you can accept that and overcome them, that somewhere you maintain a higher level of inner peace. So if you're gonna ask me, am I at a place of inner peace? The answer is, is yes, I, ex I accept the fact that there are challenges that I have to overcome and anybody else to overcome. But in the broad spectrum of things, I, I have an inner peace with that. And at least I have the tools to, to find that within myself when I wanna apply it greater. But if, if it's going to be asked, which most people in spiritual community want to hear like, oh, this person's a spiritual teacher. He's reached this, this epoch of perfection. I, I think it's complete rubbish to believe any spiritual teacher walking this earth is continuously in that state. Uh, I think that's a truth. And when you can accept that truth and understand that truth, then you too can achieve the highest level of finding that inner peace. But when it's an illusion then you can never attain it because you're chasing something that doesn't necessarily perfectly exist. You can attain moments in your life of inner peace. You can, you can have great depths of inner peace, but there will always be that, that flex of up and down as you progress through, through life. Is there something like, uh, almost like the feeling of, of like an ocean that's underneath and whatever's going on on the surface is kind of, you know, the, the tides of life, but as, a, as, as you hit a certain spiritual well, state. Look, I, I think that this is a very uh, philosophical, very deeply spiritual question. Yeah. 
okay? And what I'm trying to say is, is that I think that people who are seeking a form of inner peace and spirituality want to believe that you hit this level of continuous uh, uh, spiritual perfection, this, this place that you maintain. And I, I don't see that as being realistic. I think it's, it's, there, are, there is the ability to go to those places for extensive time, but there are going to be people who, who are in your life that you love deeply who will pass. There are animals and pets that will pass and harm will come to them or whatever. You, you will have great pressure put on you, whether it's home or environment or because of work or whatever. This is nature. When you look out at nature, you see the struggles of nature and plants and creatures and insects and animals and you name it. We're just part of that entire ecosystem of change. So as much as we can understand that, we have to understand that we're always regulating a level of adaptation in our own consciousness. So I think there's a level of, of disconnecting from that, but to say that you can be at that state 24 seven, seven days a week for your entire life, just this epitome of perfection at everything you look, I don't think that's realistic. I do think it's realistic to find a level of inner peace that you're able to maintain, but you do have to, to contend with this world and the things that challenge you that are uncomfortable are usually things that end up making you grow the most by overcoming them. And so nobody is, is free of those, uh, those rules, so to speak. No, not even the Dalai Lama. Okay. Um, are there any lessons or reflections you have as of recent that you'd like to share with your listeners? Any, I don't know, wisdom you'd like to shed as... I feel like I'm, I'm trying to always shed as much wisdom as I can and impart as much knowledge as I can all the time. Yeah, this is a vague I, question. I think, I think, you know, with age, you, you kind of take it a little bit easier and there's not such a rush anymore. And I think when people say, you know, take it easy, you know, take it, I, I think it's, it's, there's a certain part of you that resents it when people say that to you. And then there's another part that as you grow older, you kind of realize that, one makes much ado about nothing. And the things that you, you value that upsets you are really later on in your life when you look back kind of almost silly that, that it got you there. So I think that the, the idea of detachment up to a certain degree, okay, is, is to, to kind of look at things in your life and ask, is it really worth me becoming that engaged or that upset about it or that concerned about it? And it, it sounds like pure, you know, typical, you know, thing to say, you know, but I, it, it, the, the, this is, let me, let me step back. Okay. I'll tell you one thing that drives me nuts. How about that? It drives me nuts when I look at Instagram or I look at Facebook or social media and I see a million plugs almost weekly of all these great little statements of how, how to look at life and there's, you know, life is like turbulent water. Sooner or later, it all relaxes. Mm -hmm. and, da, da, da. and it's all these pearls of wisdom and everything. And, you know, it's, it's like a tissue box with a really bad runny nose. It's like you really appreciate that tissue in the moment. You use it, you toss it away, and you never think about it ever again. And I, I think that we are becoming very um, quick fixed with with information that we want to think we're better people because of the stuff that we admire or look at or read. And it's like, Oh, this great epiphany. And I don't think there's any true reflection in any of that. I think it's like sh very shallow statements. 
it's it's to say that you know all oh, this really changed and made me into such an incredible better better person. And I was like, okay, well, what did you go out and do as an action because of that? Or what did you dramatically change for you? They can't even remember five minutes after they read it, probably what it said. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that there is a gigantic shift continuously, but more so over the last decade or so with the memes and all these fuzzy, warm statements. And I just can't bring myself to say or try to do that in that way. Do you see what I'm saying? I think that reflection self-reflection contemplation are as valuable today as they were a hundred or a thousand or five thousand years or more ago that spiritually if you really want to evolve you you have to have inner contemplation it can't be a shallow quick click of the mouse or your keyboard and you read something that you think is enlightening and you're going to be so much deeper and richer and wiser from it when the truth is is that all it is is making you completely shallow um, so that, that's my, 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 no, I think that's, I totally hundred percent see that. But, but seeing it and doing it are two different things. This is, this is kind of what I'm saying. I'm not trying to chastise you, but I'm saying that, that people can't just acknowledge that they understand that and they agree with me and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. It's like, it's like, okay, but what now have you sat down and reflected? Have you done inner feeling? What, what have you truly, truly done? It's, I think that there's an automation process going on with the human race where we acknowledge it. And it's like, I feel better now that I acknowledge that the memes are all, you know, shallow. And, and I totally get it. And I feel that way. And I see what you're saying. And then my next question to the teachers, and student, what are you doing about it? Do you think that it programs you to... Yes. To... Yes. Not to basically I, mundanely... I, I think it is another illusion. It's a more complicated level of illusion to sustain you in an inert inaction, inert inaction. We, we keep seeing these big revelations and, you know, TED Talks and, and you know, memes of all these positive things and, and, you know, all these great speakers and everything. And I don't think these people, they're just becoming junkies like fast food uh, industry. It's becoming spiritual fast food that people are just, just thinking they're getting better. And they're really just as lonely and just as lost and just as incomplete as they were five or 10 years ago. And so I, I stress the idea of almost shut it all down. Just shut it all down. As much as you think it's helping you, it's, it's not. It's like, a, it's like a Band-Aid on a deep wound. The only way you're going to have a deep healing is, is to go deep within yourself spiritually and, and evolve or practice what we, what we try to teach on a deeper level. But there, there's this... this knee-jerk reaction that I, I see this this artificial simulation of people thinking they're spiritually growing it's the same thing you know where where i look at the new age industry or if i look at you know the the talk show host kind of spiritual kind of thing and stuff it's like all soccer mom at home housewives that have all these band-aids on and they're still deeply searching for something more you know and yeah i believe i have the answers and yes i believe i teach those answers but but having said that, you know, is I also think that I am not the proverbial ideal in a gift basket concept of what you think you're going to get because it's it's what you really don't expect that really changes your your life the most. It's unexpected, and I'm certainly unexpected. Yes, you are. What is something about you that a lot of people don't know? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, a lot of people think they know a lot about me, that's for sure. I, I, I have no idea. What, what? I, I feel like I'm an open book. Like, for instance, like, what, what are your dough indulgences of indulging in the red cell world? Like, what do you watch on TV? <laughs> well, I did go through an episode of, of Dance Moms and, uh, uh, you know, different stuff like, like, like just total trash TV. <laughs> you know, um, some people will say to me, you know, like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're watching it. And I, I feel like, like, no, no, that wasn't me, you know. Ah, and they're like, well, there's the evidence. You're sitting there laughing at the TV. I, I think there's a part of me that sees some of these programs while channel surfing for much more intellectual things, of course, and I just get caught up in this stuff. Uh, but all joking aside, uh, I, I, I am a, kind of almost like a deer in its headlights when I watch human nature with what some of these people do on TV and how they act and how they react and, and, and it's, 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 almost surreal for me to to observe this it's, it's just i suppose everybody has to be that way that that's why anybody would watch it is everybody's in disbelief as much as i am it's like it's like are these people really believing what they're doing or is it all you know it's it's it, and of course there's a level of fake but i, I think if you're going to ask me if there's anything that anybody don't know i think that 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 that's what i i get caught up in. you know i haven't watched anything like that in a long time but but there is those moments where you 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 watch episode after episode you're just like just i'm just bewildered by human nature by how these people act it's just it's just enthralling and mind-bending and just just like just absolutely unbelievable to me <laughs> And I, I can see the Dalai Lama or other spiritual masters feeling the same way and getting caught into it. You know, we're, we're in a sense dismissive of it. And of course, I know that this is, is reality TV. It's made to, to draw you in and stuff. But at, at the end, if people say, well, what do you see? I'm not getting caught up in the storyline. I'm getting, you know, I, I just see so many aspects of, of people's lives. And, you know, you just shake your head. But you, it's, like, it's almost like I... I I guess I'm, I'm trying to learn, how do I help that person? How do I help this person? What's really going on underlying here? Maybe maybe that's what sucks me into something like that. Mm. I, I have no idea. And like just thinking of like ways that you could like step so. in. Yeah. So. I'm always like, how can I help this person? <laughs> so do you have fears and anxieties like the rest of us? Of, absolutely. Absolutely I do. I have fears, you know, financially highs and lows. I have fears of presidential situations of where the country's going i i have you know uh, concerns to see anybody else you know day to day this is kind of um started by jameson uh, i'm just going to read what he wrote you often say that it is by understanding an obstacle in life that we can begin to overcome it to that end i've heard that many practitioners of higher balance material that would like to hear your thoughts and anxiety you have said before that humans fear what we don't understand. Would you agree that when we boil it down, the cause of fear is the result of lack of understanding the unknown? No, I, I think fear at certain times is, is very justified. I think there's different kinds of fear. There's a, a fear of trying to understand something, and there's a fear of a giant landslide coming your way. You know, there's different kinds of fear. Fear of survival, you know, fear of, of you know, uh, success, fear of, of, of being accepted. So in, in general, when I talk about this kind of fear, it's, 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 it's the fear of trying to understand something that we don't understand or we can't comprehend immediately. And what we're doing naturally is we're trying to assess very quickly whether it's a threat or not. And the 
point is, is that if we can't assess it very quickly, I think the fear or survival mechanism kicks in and we then go into the panic or we become fearful and we do what would be considered fearful reaction. And if we could control that just for a little bit longer, for a little bit more of evaluation of the situation and try to control our, our anxiety, our fear inside of ourselves, I, I think then we see potentially levels of, of truth and we can overcome our fear. This kind of, not to make this personal, but this reminds me of something you said to me many years ago and that you said when you get older, you have less chaos in your life because you're not freaking out about everything. And it's almost like you could say that you're, you're, when you start freaking out about stuff, you start making it get worse. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that with age, if, if there's one thing that, that if I had to dissect it down as to why or how come one becomes a little bit calmer with age, and of course it's not applicable to everybody, but in most cases, you see enough repetition in life that you you see the outcome where when you were younger you don't know what that outcome is because you haven't lived to see something through in those ways and as you grow older you see these things kind of happen and, and played out in different ways and as you live through it you realize after it wasn't as bad as i thought so as you grow older it starts to become more applicable with that that sense of of being able to to see or have an idea of where it's likely going to go and the unknown becomes vaguely known by your experience. Your experience allows you a, a higher view, more distant as to what, how the problem's gonna play out. So you don't allow it to affect you as intensely as you would when you were younger. And you don't, you don't know, your mind just goes a mile a minute. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you're kind of calloused. Yeah. yeah. Um, you often say that fear is the mind killer. Can you explain that concept a bit further? Well, we, we, we make all of our decisions based partially on fear. Should should I buy this property? Should I not? Should I should I take this job? Should I not? If I take the job, will the people there like me? Will they will they accept me? Will they will they you know will will I get along with everybody? This, half of your decisions are made with fear in mind, and it, it shouldn't be that way. It it should be you know in your mind that should be the last thing, or you need to tell yourself it's not an issue. Everybody will love me. Why wouldn't they love me? <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? But the point is, is that should I should I leave this job to go to the next? Should I should I change my life and go do this and that? Fear can be very sensible. Okay, so don't don't think that I'm telling you not to to utilize it, but to let fear and anxiety build up to the point where where it keeps you from growing in your life and stifling your life. It, it basically sucks the life out of you. So it's, it's the idea is to understand fear and, and control it as weighing it out sensibly, but not overreacting or letting it be played out to, to what ifs in a scenario that you're starting to lean towards all the negative stuff. So fear is the mind killer, fear of learning knowledge, fear of taking me on as a teacher versus, you know, whatever you may or may not think. Okay. Fear will, will, will control you and as you grow older you're 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 i can't even tell you how many people who knew of me 10 years ago said they were too fearful to approach me okay and then as they matured you know 10 years later you know they're like i wish i would have done this 10 years ago i wish i wouldn't have wasted my my time on on being afraid to approach you whether or not you had accepted me or acknowledged me or worked with me or taught me and uh 
and they're like, well, you know, here I am, you know, 30 years old or 40 years old and, and or 50 years old and I feel like I've wasted a decade. Yeah, you fucking wasted a decade because fear of, of something you don't know for certain. Do you see what I'm saying? So really the truth is nothing ventured, nothing gained. So what? So if I, if I reject you, what happens now? You, you would have done the exact same thing in your head. You assumed I would reject you. And so you, you made yourself feel guilty the whole time of not being worthy when, when in fact, I, I never said one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Th- does that make sense? So that's the aspect that I say that fear is the mind killer. Fear is like this force of energy that's, that's from the dark side that is nurtured by your anxiety of whether you think you're worthy or that you can choose. And it, it keeps people at a minimal benchmark. It keeps you from, from progressing forward. Um, so it's, it's just like, you know, I have people when I do the lectures and stuff, you know, I see them in the distance and then they, they kind of like, will will disappear, you know, instead of coming over and saying hi, like other people will. And then a year or five years later, you know, when they finally found some courage or whatever, and they get to talk to me or a friend of a friend kind of, they're like, yeah, I, I actually took off. I was so scared to meet you or I was so scared you were going to reject me. And I'm just thinking, why, why, why ask yourself the same thing. If there was somebody else out there, okay, and they wanted to come up and say hello to you, do you think you would reject them at, in, a, in a public place? Or are you meeting people? Are you saying hello? You wouldn't. Why would I be any different? Mm-hmm. So that's fear. Fear of, of being rejected. Fear of, of not being worthy. Fear of not, you know, it's it's all the stuff that's in your head, but it's designed to keep you marginalized almost in a, in a red cell well, way, but you're already trying to push against that. So it's always safe to learn the material through audios or whatever, okay? But it's a whole nother thing to, to be afraid then to approach me or to talk to me or just put a shout out. And, it, and just for the record, there's a lot of people that I said, hey, you guys need to step forward and make yourself known. You're all lurking in the background. It's like, I can't even tell you how many people have come forward, you know, and said, hey, I'm just coming forward. I want to say who I am, blah, blah, blah. And and I read every single one of those. I can't respond to every single one, but I'm just telling everybody I've looked at them all and I'm, I'm so glad that you reached out and, and that's awesome. And, and don't stop doing it. Okay. But it shouldn't be reliant on whether the fact I'm able to respond or not. Okay. It's just, let me know you're there. Let, you know, it's for you more than it is for me. Trust me, if you reach out and you put that out there, I can assure you that there is this, this, veal that's lifted that allows you to, to kind of almost spiritually grow to the next level but that's the fear that i'm talking about but that fear can be in many other aspects in your life also don't be stupid and make irrational decisions but also don't let fear dominate you i will say like if you don't know you Approaching you is kind of like approaching a tidal wave. Is is what it feels like for a lot of people, and it just. <laughs> you know, let's talk about that. I I understand that I'm probably an intense person. Okay, yeah. I understand that to a lot of people, you know, that maybe I'm someone that is important to them or, or something like that. But but honest to God, and, and through my eyes, I feel that that by not talking to me, to by not acknowledging me in a way that you're doing more harm than good. I want to talk to people. I want to know who you are. I, I mean, granted I'm intense, you know, but I, I, in my mind, I'm not intense. I live with myself 24 seven. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of like the bark is bigger than the, the bite, you know? Mm-hmm. But 
you know, it, it, it is what it is. I would say try to overcome your fear. If, if I can be used as your first stepping stone to, to confront your own fears to make you, please do. Please step, step forward. Don't be afraid, okay? I don't think I've ever exed anybody the first day I met them. Maybe on the second, but not the first. <laughs> I think approaching you is um, a very scary thing, but at the same time, it's a, an act of, of trusting but God. Why? Why, why, it's, why it's, is there fear? Because um, it's hard to encapsulate, I guess, but it's, it's like this is so important. Like this person is... There's just, just this intensity to you, and also you have, you know, your characteristics, but like, you know, your 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 pers personality, you know, and you're very witty, and you're very, you know, you don't want to look bad, you don't want to be, you want you want Eric when he meets you to think the best of you, and that can almost get you tripped up, <laughs> you know. I know. I mean, but you got to take <laughs> some risk. You got to. You can't yeah. worry about that. Yeah. You 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 can't. I mean, maybe you can try to gauge whether I'm in a pissy mood or a good mood, but. At the end of the day, you just got to take that chance, you know? I mean, like, when I introduced myself to you, I, I, I think for a year I was thinking, he thinks I'm such an idiot. Like, for every day. Like, but I, I didn't like, think you were an idiot. <laughs> but, you know, but that's... What difference does that make? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, these things don't enter my mind in that way. Yeah. I mean, if I, if, I, if I think you're an idiot, it doesn't dismiss the fact that I think that you are a, 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 a rough piece of, of mineral or gem that that is waiting to be be born that's how mm. i look at everything what did i say about watching tv how do i fix this person they're the complete idiots but i could fix them yeah i can fix it i can help this person and you can sense that in you too that, that you are you're like a, a mr fix it like yes i yeah. am and that, that's like i'm designed i'm 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 born to teach yeah that that's what i'm after so irregardless of what if you came to me and you were like this this perfect, confident, you know, uh, capable, highly intelligent, you know, all of these things, I doubt I would be interested in you. I'm more interested in the person that I think has so much potential that's never been shown. And here I get to work and help this person get there. That to me is much more exciting than the refined, brilliant, perfect person that could come up to me. I'm like, well, you know, I yeah, there's a few things I can fix. So I'd start off probably by ripping it all down, thinking, well, they're too cocky. Let's rebuild this. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but the point is, is that why even be a teacher if, if you, you aren't going to, to take on the greatest challenges? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you ever met a dentist that didn't want to see a bad set of teeth? That's a good point. Yeah. You know, did you did you ever meet a, a healer that wants to, to meet people that are always perfectly healthy? Do you do? You, I mean, I'm a teacher. I want people to come to me who want to learn, who want to awaken and feel this calling deep in their soul that that is more important to them than anything else. And they just want to figure out how do I serve? How do I develop this? How do I have a greater understanding? Can you help me? Hell yeah. Come take a seat. You know, that that's what it gets me excited. Yeah, that's awesome. I think so people need to hear that. Don't hide from me. Don't hide from me. You're cheating me. And 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 deal with your own fears and deal with your own uh, 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 preconceptions because I guarantee you, I will I will exceed any bad expectation you have of me if you get to know me. And you need to move past that. You need to conquer your fears. Whatever in your head you imagine. Conquer it, or you will never, never grow spiritually like you could. And time is always ticking. Time waits for nobody.
And the only thing that I can't do for you or I can't fix is if you waited too long. And I've said this for decades with people, and that's the only time I've turned people away. Or I can't invest in them. They, they, they waited too long. I can't go back in time to fix it. This is going to be a pretty general question in the middle of these questions. I don't know if it's... What is anxiety? <sighs> that's a loaded question. Yeah. I mean, that, that can be biochemical re related. It can be, uh, you know, fear-based like we were talking. I mean, anxiety, in my opinion, first of all, is a, is a biological process of survival, okay? Anxiety is, is really a, a overbuilt-up system of you trying to survive. It's just that we interpret it very intellectually in day-to-day -day stuff. But if you have anxiety, it's rooted to whatever is going on in your mind that you're overplaying. And sometimes that can be chemicals in your body that are pushing, that's creating anxiety in your body. And you're, you don't know that's what's going on. And your muscle tissue's got all this chemical that's, that's building up. It needs to get rid of that. So your mind is racing and creating different scenarios and dramas and, and stuff to tense you out because you don't know that maybe you should just go for a walk. And that the response to your muscles is burning up to various chemicals in your body. And then all of a sudden you start to come down from that anxiety. Other times it can be various adrenal glands or whatnot overreacting. That could be from either neurons in your head overfiring off. Or it could be from stuff you ate that's triggering you like allergies. You just don't see them as allergies. They're actually low effective uh, biochemical traits. Not that you would see flushing in your face or something. But it's affecting you. So anxiety can come from uh, a lot of stuff. It's, it, to my opinion, it's fear-based, it's biochemical, but everything is a case-by-case -case scenario, but there's none of those that can't be fixed. Why do people develop anxiety in the first place? Everyone who has experienced anxiety knows the downside of the experience, but what positive things does anxiety do for someone? Well, you know, you, you first have to be able to to be able to step outside of your anxiety or at least recognize it. I mean, the first step to dealing with something that that's crushing you is to, to realize it's there. If you can realize it's there, then you can begin to control it. If you can be control it, then you can extract from that all the lessons learned from it and the kind of what if scenarios drawn out. So, um, I think anxiety is overthinking stuff. It, it's biologically oriented. And so, the things that come away from it is maybe it did save you. Maybe it did help you have some good decision making. Maybe it was good for a reason. And I think those things are probably true too. But, um, you know, what's good that can come from anxiety? Well, you're really asking to, to reach from that. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I think it's a mixed bag. Um, I think anxiety for the most part, when we even say anxiety, it's already in a negative stance. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't acknowledge it or use that terminology as the word anxiety, okay? Um, anxiety also can be, in a, in a sense, good. I mean, you can have anxiety about going on a trip somewhere. Um, you can have anxiety about meeting someone that you really want to meet. Um, you know, but again, the anxiety will be controlled by your mind. Which, which one is going to control it? Will you, will you flee? Or will you you press forward? You know, it's a it's a fight or flight kind of syndrome that's building behind that decision. So that kind of goes into the next question. It says there seems to be two major expressions of anxiety. One is the kind that causes inaction. Two is the kind that causes an extreme drive for action. 
preparation or work to prevent the fearful scenarios from manifesting. Uh, can you talk a bit about the different manifestations of anxiety? I guess that's kind of going back to what it's, we already want. Yeah. Look, look, let me just give something more practical. Let mm -hmm. me let me first say that you, any person living, listening to me right now, when I say you, I'm talking to you who's listening, okay? Everybody faces anxiety. You may think that you're the only one who has anxiety or that your anxiety is worse than anybody else's. That's pure rubbish. That's your own anxiety feeding into the anxiety. It's like a mirror looking into a mirror and you're believing that you are the ultimate anxiety issue or that you're you're the only one who's who has this or that you have the most extreme level of it, yada, yada, yada. The bottom line is, is that every single person you meet from day to day has anxiety, okay? The difference is that some people have higher levels of it on a regular basis and some people have more minimal. But every, anybody, no matter how, how confident they are, no matter how they appear, can have bouts of extreme anxiety in their life also. I think this is a natural thing for survival. And I think anybody who has higher levels of anxiety has higher levels of survival mechanism inside of them. The number one way to, to overcome your anxiety or to get a grip on any panic moment or something's happening that's really intense or you, you have this flea kind of feeling in you is try to remember what I'm saying now. Just breathe. Take in a deep, slow breath. Several of them, but don't hyperventilate. Up to three. Breathe them in real deep and exhale. Once you do that, your body has a tendency to start stabilizing and you can start thinking more rationally about how you want to deal with that moment in that situation. The anxiety kicks in and it's ramping up. What you want to do is you want to derail. It's ramping, okay? So that you can kind of suppress it to a certain degree by taking those simple deep breaths and controlling them. Remember, Breathing, the speed by which you breathe controls the, the, how fast your mind is running. You don't want a fast running mind that's out of control. You want a fast thinking mind that is completely under your control and being rational. So by thinking about your breathing, you're immediately taking the lever that's controlling that, that out of control speed and starting to notch it down enough that you can actually take charge of whatever the situation is and be sensible. Yeah. Okay. It's simple. I know. You know people it's, never it's, forget to do the breathing thing, though, yeah, when they're in that moment. Well, that's the point. Yeah. If, you, if you have to do one thing, you only have to do one simple thing, and you remember that in your head. The minute you have anxiety about something, breathe. If you can breathe, you will be able to solve the problem in front of you. If you, if you can't stop and flip and breathe, that's the only thing you got to do. Just three slow, deep breaths, Okay. That's all you have to try to remember. If you can't do that, then you, well, then it is what it is. If you can do that, and you can remember that as soon as you start to have that panic, and I said, breathe three times slow, deep, okay? I can almost guarantee you, okay, that you'll be able to survive or manage or take control of the situation. Do you think that white cells have a tendency to have more anxiety than... Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We feel more. We sense more. We're highly empathic. We, we tend to, to let our minds overreach into other people's minds. We have a very high survival rate, which creates a high level of anxiety in us, okay? Because the universe needs us to survive if we're gonna be functioning to do its bidding, okay? If we don't survive, this is, this is evolution, okay? It's a different kind of evolution. If, if we don't have something very strong in us for a survival level, okay, 
then what does the universe do? We're white cells. White cells have to deal with a virus or a disease. You don't see in the body white cells charging up to the virus. You see white cells calculating and sending out a signal to gather more white cells. If they didn't breathe for those three breaths when they encountered the virus, they probably would be destroyed or they would be in a situation that could be overwhelming to them. Logic, smart. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, it does seem like a lot of uh, of white cells or people attracted to spiritual knowledge have incredible levels of anxiety. Well, they have anxiety, I think it's because they're very psychic, they're very empathic, and they don't necessarily always know that in their youth, and even if they do, they don't know what to do with it. So they're constantly feeling other people's emotions. And when you're constantly taking on other people's emotions, you're compounding your normal emotions, which would be stable, Okay, and you're adding now on other emotions from other people, stacking that becomes overwhelming for the mind as you're growing and evolving the brain. And so you, you develop this sense of, of, of anxiety. And then you start to kind of stand out like the, the wounded wolf in the pack that stands out and then well, I don't you know can about feel that. that. Now you're going a little <laughs> out of control, okay? There's different levels of white cells, but there's uh -huh. a lot of white cells who would fall into that category. Yeah. And, and this is why you have to start learning how to breathe, how to meditate, how to adapt to those things, how to control those things in the moment. So the number one solution for anxiety is, is simply to breathe when you remember to breathe. Almost everything for you to survive, nature gave you already. And it is guaranteed, it's connected to your brain neural pathways. It's connected to the, the glands in your body that secrete chemicals that create uh, uh, hyperreaction and overreaction and panic attacks and all this stuff. When you person has a panic attack, as I always say, they, you see the person breathing into a paper bag. What? It's the most ridiculous thing you would want somebody to hand you. You're, you're, you know, I'm like, get the bag out of my face. Ah, okay. The point is, there's logic to that. There's science to that. And the point is, is we know when we're panicking, if you, you, you can't really pay attention to yourself necessarily because you're panicking. But if you could, if you could see the film, you'll, you'll notice that you're breathing very quickly. It's because that's survival. Your body is pumping in oxygen to prepare your muscles to run or to flee or to fight, okay? It's it's building up oxygenation in your body, it's building up your 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 survival mechanisms for your organs, okay? But it's also getting your, your mind is reacting to the body. So to calm the mind down, you're gonna control the body. If you slow the breathing down, okay, through a paper bag, or if you can mentally control it, okay, and start breathing slower, the mind follows, and instead of going into a panic situation it starts to logicalize and be able to handle situation better and you keep training yourself for that it's like if you watch any of the uh, uh fighter training stuff like the ufc or whatever you know if you if you look in there for you know like a lot of people who are training will be like okay so what happens when i panic when i get ready to do a fight or i'm getting nervous i'm going into octagon or i have a real life fight and someone's getting in my face and i know they're gonna do some they, they, they say, you know, I panic. It's like I lock up. I can't, I can't even throw a thing. They'll say, look, you've got to, more than training how to swing your fist, more than training how to fight, more than training on how to talk and engage in the situation, okay, to, to your favor. The first number one thing you need to do to engage any of the following 
is to learn to control your breathing. To consciously just say to yourself, train yourself over and over and over again, is that when in a crisis situation, breathe. Breathe. Breathing is the first step to solving your problem. Control the mind, you then can dominate the situation. If you can't control the mind, then you're either going to lock up or you're going to have a, a bigger panic attack and you're going to make the situation worse because you weren't able to deal with the situation. And the reason people, and it's also probably important because people in that moment tend to all of a sudden stop breathing normally. Yeah, it's, it, is, it, it, it is a mechanism to flood the body, okay, with endorphins and oxygen, primarily oxygen, along with endorphins being released from the chemicals, for you to run, for you to survive or to fight something off like a bear or a lion or a crazy person, okay, or an entity or whatever. And so it really comes down to two things. Your body either is going to fight or it's going to run for its survival. That's, so you've narrowed down all your logic into two things. That's not realistic in the modern world. Mm -hmm. It's realistic, sure, 10,000 years ago, 50,000 years ago, 200,000 years ago, okay, when it's a bear charging you or a clan of tribes people that, that are going to dominate you. But in, in a day-to-day -day situation, it's not necessarily the most logical choice, especially driving a car or dealing with a situation that you have to deal with. So we, we've overcomplicated our minds, but we haven't figured out how to control our minds so that we can control our bodies in a given situation. So breathing is the number one thing. The second you think about breathing, the second you stop thinking about your survival, which seems crazy, and think about your breathing, okay, that you have to train that like martial arts over and over and over repetition. Over-breathing will be harmful, though, but that's what hyperventilating can do. If you're panicking, that just adds to your panic because now you start to feel lightheaded. You want to control and slow breathe, but take a deep breath, oxygenate the muscles, oxygenate the brain, okay? But you want to keep it from over-oxygenating. And as soon as you think about the breathing, it slows the mind and it allows you to stay in that zone where you can think intelligently on how you want to handle the situation. And it makes it so you can manage your fear on a much greater level. In other words, reduce it so that you can actually deal with the situation and do what you have to do for your survival. Brilliant. All these other questions you answered before I got to them. Well, that's my life story. Is there anything that you want to add on to any of this or? Well, I think it w w w was a weird subject, you know, my personal life versus, you know, teaching something, but I, I want to add to that that I'm a very big believer in one foot in and one foot out. Uh -huh. One foot in your spirituality, one foot in life. And when you ask me about my day-to-day -day life, I have to look at it in practical terms for people that may be listening. And you can become enlightened. You can become this evolved spiritual person. You can achieve all those things understanding that you have a normal biological body in a in a world that you have to coexist with if you try to be purely spiritual you will likely fail because you're not managing the portion of your life that in this day and age is required for you to sustain in in other words i see different people in my life that that you know brings up those kind of things. I remember, you know, back in the Tahunga days 
where, you know, I met these people that are like, you know, oh, we're going to go to Hawaii to the big island and we're going to live out in the middle of the woods and we're not going to pay bills. We're not going to do this and we're not going to do that. And at the end of the day, they, they just wanted to be these uh, uh, aesthetics or whatever in, in, the, in the forest, living off of nature and being super spiritual. And, you know, about a year later, two years later, you know, you run into these people and they've got rotted teeth and they need to get medical care and they weren't able to get it out there. And they were miserable. The mosquitoes were eating them alive. They, they you know, had sores and this and that. And I, I, I just, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, or people say, I'm going to go to a monastery. And I'm like, well, you're going to sweep and clean and cook and do all these day-to-day -day mundane things just like in your normal life. And you, as a group, you may be funding something. You may be able to find a level of more inner peace there. That's fine. Okay. That's still one foot in, one foot out. Okay. But you've got to be realistic in the idea that you've got to have a way to generally sustain your life as much as you pursue your spirituality to keep continuously increasing that. And if you can do that, then you're going to attain those things spiritually. So when you ask me, or, you know, do I have fears or anxieties? My one foot in is that I've got to deal with finances like everybody else. I have to deal with, with age. I have to deal with, with health. I have to deal with people's other issues, you know, or, or whatnot, or because somebody's building on my side of the property. I have to now deal with this person who's a red cell or whatever, okay? So when you ask me that, these are practical things that any spiritual teacher also has to deal with, okay? If you're going to ask me, how does this affect you spiritually? Then my, my answer is, if it only affects me spiritually if I allow it. When I go into my room to meditate, I check, I leave it at the door. You know, it's just like my old boss, when I would have problems out in Tahonga trying to transition from the, the bookstore and everything I had. And at first, you know, I was dealing with things, you know, he would always say, Eric, leave it at the door. Focus on work. It'll solve your problems in order to pay, pay the bills for where, where you're at. And I was much younger then. And of course, this is true. It's the same thing that, that spiritually, you can either be affected spiritually and have it utterly devastating on your spirituality if you let your, your everyday life dominate your mind. So this is where discipline comes in to when you sit down to meditate or to, to do your spiritual aspect that if you can prevent or check it at the door so your head can be clear, every single instance I can tell you where I've had problems in my life or great battles in my life that were, were of the earthly level, okay? All of those things I absolutely believe were, were dealt with in a, in a way that was positive in the end because I could check out and, and maintain and meditate still. If I would have, excuse me, stopped meditating, stopped my, my spiritual practice, stopped my connection to the universe and reflecting on it fully, I believe that my life would be completely different right now and it could be destroyed. I believe the power to solve the problems the power that 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 altered things in, in in positive favor, if you will, comes from the energy of the spiritual moving into the realm of the physical. So if if I don't turn to that spiritualness, not asking it to solve the problem, but being of that presence, it wants to preserve me, and by default, it's trying to solve the problems that it feels are affecting me.
if, if I did not turn to my spiritualness, I think my life could be completely different or I could have worked through problems a lot easier versus it being a lot harder. Okay. So, but the point is, is that I also think that problems in everyday life, which make you grow, okay, have the potential of also doing great harm if you're not turning to your spirituality. So they're designed to prevent you from pursuing your spirituality. It's designed to suck you in as a sand trap by your mind being so busy and so dominated by earthly issues that you almost forget day to day, you lose more and more percentage from your spiritual side and starts to be dominated. The turf starts to be dominated by your organic life, your, your physical life problems. When you have to sit down and willfully just say, I'm going to check it at the door. It's only problems today, tomorrow, next year, but you know something, you've got to check it at the door, whatever it is, it'll be over in time. And focus on your, your energy, your spirituality, your connection to the universe. It will know by you turning to it, meditating it, not bringing the issues. It will feel this outside issue weighing on you and it will work to resolve it. And it will be as powerful to help resolve it as indefinitely you can turn to your spirituality. Does that make sense? Yeah. It literally is, is this, this um, scale. And that it's, it's literally trying to balance the two. It's when you neglect or forget your spirituality that you're going to find that your, your life spirals out of control the most. And the most control you have over life is literally retrospective to how much you commit to your spirituality. If you can understand that, then you can live the most peaceful, prosperous, best life you can. But even I had to learn those lessons. So don't get down on yourself if you know that already, but you, you're like, you have to keep being reminded of it. That's the point. It takes it from your memory. You always say that you keep one foot in the world, one foot in your spirituality. Is there a sweet spot to, like you're saying, that, that where you, you, you feed your spirituality and then you go into the world and you, it teaches you certain lessons that are also necessary to your enlightenment cycle? And to finding the balance between, because you go back to it's, feed. It becomes a perfect moment. It's in harmony. Your life will be most perfect when you have a managed level of your spirituality. Because as soon as a crisis appears, you're able to control the crisis and suppress it because you're consistently working with your other side of your energy, your, your spiritual energy. It's when it doesn't have enough on one side because you've been neglecting, you've been busy, you got a lot of money all of a sudden. You're not thinking about your spirituality, you're thinking about your materialistic things and the stuff you want. So by default, you're you're neglecting your spiritual side. Mm -hmm. So once it goes from 50% over to 55, 60, 70%, all of a sudden now you've got problems developing your life that's starting to dominate. This is like, like a weird energy thing. It wants the rest of the turf in your life. It wants to make you red cell. So it's creating a down spiral syndrome, in my opinion, okay, to, to chaotically get you earthed out is what I call it, okay? So it can take the last 15 to 20%. So usually it's the case is that it's too much earth and not enough spiritual, but what if it's too much spiritual, then what happens? Well, then you're going to have the same reaction. You're going to still have a reaction from the earth because you're still an organic body. You're still in this world. So you're in a sense completely detached. Now, now you're going to be the guy who's going out to the island that I just talked about with his teeth rotten in his mouth. Eventually, the teeth rotten in your mouth are going to affect the biochemistry of your body and affect your mind. 
And now you got to have your teeth drilled or yanked out of your, your mouth. And you don't get certain lessons that you need to get in life. No, because it's, 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 it's you want a harmony, right? You, you're trying to maintain balance. Everything in life has balance. Look at nature. So if you look at your own spirituality, the own yin and yang of it, okay, you you have to accept your day-to-day -day life. When you when you do and you want to move forward, that's fine, okay? But don't neglect your, your spiritual life. Keep keep pursuing it. Try to keep your passion going. Try to keep learning and expanding. Even listening to spiritual stuff will make you grow as long as you are connected and it, it makes sense to you. So at the end of the day, that's that's the bottom line. So if you're gonna ask me what are you know the things that you have to understand I have that that kind of balance and even I can see when it gets out of control that I even I have to double up because I I was distracted too much. Do you see what I'm saying? So this is, is even for the best of us can can be tipsy turvy. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's just something that you have to try to be conscious of every moment of your life. Wow. Sometimes you just say something, it's like just the way that you said it was like Okay. You have the power to control your life through your spirituality. It's literally that simple. But you know what? It's not that simple. Mm -hmm. It's really the truth of it. But if if you meditate, you know, and you do stuff, I, I'll guarantee you, if you're fully, in, you know, entrenched into your spirituality, but you're still dealing day to day life, I bet you in some ways that that you could almost say, well, my life is fairly mundane because there's not much happening. I'm doing my spiritual stuff. But is it well? That's probably a good thing. Now you can add to your life to go do stuff you want to do, but it's, you're managing it really well. It's when you find that your spirituality is neglected that you probably have a lot of shit going on in your life. So instead of trying to tackle the shit, my, my answer to you is tackle your spiritualness, tackle your meditation, go back to the basics, watch how fast the storm dissipates and becomes sunshine. That's one to re-listen to again and again. That's so good. As I said before, it is nature. If you look at, at all things in nature, there is a balance. There's a balance to the earth. We have our seasons. We have our cycles. The galaxy has its gut. Everything has cycles. The human body has cycles. There, there is this, this kind of maneuvering. This is what keeps the wave going. Do you see what I'm saying? You have to accept that there will be challenges, but because you accept that there will be challenges in your life, it gives you that much more power to control them through your spirituality. You don't look at your problem as being a real problem. You look at your problem as something that you're going to turn to your spirituality even stronger because that's what's going to solve the problem. It's going to make it work out on its own with you. This goes back to, to the studies of optimists and pessimists. And I always refer back to this study. It's a very well done study. It was done over decades and decades and decades. And they basically found through all their study, watching people 30, 40, 50 years of this, okay, people that were classified as pessimists, being negative, okay, ended up higher divorce rates, higher levels of unhappiness in life, lower income, everything, okay? And the people that were optimists that they kind of figured out were more, more like, okay, well, you know, so something bad happened, but something good will come out of this and yada, yada, yada. They found that they had a significantly higher level of, of relationships being that for marriage stays longer, uh, a significantly lower divorce rate, higher income ratio, like everything in their life was better, even right down to their health. How is that even seem fair or realistic? It's because nothing is fair in life. 
but their disposition puts them in a natural meditative state. By, by not letting the negative in their life overwhelm them, they, because of how their mind is wired, were able to stay in that more positive energy ways, even though they may not be super spiritual. So what I'm saying to you is, is consider that. If, if because of our nature, we're a bit cynical, we're a bit pessimistic, okay? Because we're always having to deal and see the negative in the world. We're designed to do that so we can try to fix it, okay? You can't fix something if you can't see it or recognize it. But it, the, the, the problem to that is it ends up sucking us in mentally, okay? So if you look at the positive aspect, if you have the training through HBI per se, to find your spirituality, you now have the greater tools to solve that opposite polarity. You just have to be conscientious and, 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 and restrictive enough in your practice to make sure you at least do it in order that you can control that chaos. Okay. That's why you've got to pursue your spirituality. That's why you've got to pursue going to HBI events. That's why you've got to pursue making connection with legitimate HBI people, not just believing people are HBI just because they say so or whatever. But more so, it's about finding your community in HBI, meaning going to the events so you can see who's legit and who's not. And, you know, eventually they can come here, you know, to, to the property and learn. You know what I'm saying? What that does is that it connects you with other people for a support system. It connects you with better training. It connects you with a place to say, you know what? I got to do my sabbatical to to my spiritual teacher's home and stay there for a week and just be around that energy. And you carry that vibe for you, whether it's six months, a year, or three years. Cool. What else? Got me all wound up now. <laughs> Well, on my herbal chai tea. If you want to keep going, I could ask you a very closely the sister of anxiety, depression, and the difference between the two or the similarities between the two. I think everything is mental. Mm -hmm. I think now don't think that I don't think that things are biochemical. Okay, mm -hmm. we're not talking about people who have biochemical imbalances. Okay, mm -hmm. because that's a real thing too. And you know, I'm an advocate of seeing a license. I can't stress the word license strong enough. Okay, a licensed psychiatrist to evaluate whether you need some medications to help keep your chemical balances in check. Because what it comes down to is chemicals. Now. Having said that, there are other kinds of depression, okay? But I can't tell you how many times somebody's come to me and says, I'm really depressed, I'm thinking about going into antidepressants and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, some crisis happens in, in their life that they have to deal with. They're all pumped up having to deal with it, put out that fire, yada, yada, yada. And then I'll say to them after they get it all resolved, and I'll say to them, are you still depressed? They're like, no, I'm not depressed at all. I don't, everything's great in my life now. But had they not had that chaotic thing, which is an irony from what we were talking about earlier, the chaos, because everything was so mundane in their life yeah. that they, they interbuilt on themselves and they made themselves depressed because there was nothing stimulating them to deal with, cope with. Yeah, it's almost like the opposite of anxiety in a way. Yes, and it's true. Is, is, is that a lot of times people get depressed. It's just not anything going on in their life. I think that it's because they have a lack of purpose that's not being served they need to serve the force they need to serve the universe and when there is no purpose like everything is so flat so mundane in your life i think it's it makes us depressed that's what i honestly think and i think the second that we find something to keep our mind busy or to challenge us 
I think then we're, we're right back, we're, we're up to dealing with a challenge or we're up to fix something or we're, we're learning something that's going to help us fix something. So I do think that there's a very strong correlation there. Brilliant. But it, it makes me wonder if it's also biochemical that we, we probably on a primitive level had to survive on a day-to-day -day basis. We didn't have time to get depressed. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta walk to the creek to get cold water, you know, there's, there's a journey. Oh, could be packed off, pegged off by the, the pack of wolves or the, the local crazy tribe up the mountain or, or a lion or whatever. So we're constantly having to be aware. Our minds are being used in different ways. I think that as we've evolved and become more sophisticated and stuff, that, that when things get really mundane in our life, okay, I think that that's when we can get kind of this depression. And it's because there's nothing being stimulated for that survival mechanism or for a challenge. And everything then starts to feel mundane to us and boring and disconnected. So I, I do think that there's a, a thing. So, so just, if you have a really good friend, have him secretly create some chaos in your life and you'll tear right up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I often say to, to slow down time, if time is moving too quick or if you're depressed or whatever, is to plan an event down the road for you to go to, whether it's going to some tropical place or if you're in a tropical place to go to some place with snow and go skiing or to have a trip planned in your life. Or have something that you have to wait a significant amount of time to get to, like six months out, nine months out. But it's something you maybe put a little money aside for or planning a trip or whatever. Because it, it's, it's just like when you're, you're a child, you know, as you're growing up, time moves so slow. Because mentally you are always observing time because you're like, how much longer to my birthday? How much longer to Christmas? It was a reward. And because of that, it made things go real slow because you were constantly aware of time. As we become older, we're not so aware of time. Every day seems like a typical grind. Work, go home, deal with the, the, the missus or the partner or whomever, deal your daily grind. So it feels like it just goes by over and over and over again, nothing eventful. The second you start putting in things that are a marker that you're working towards that make you check in in a different way, time slows down. It also gives you something that to be excited about to reflect on that you're looking forward to that day when everything is mundane in your life you still have something to look forward to i'd like to always plug hbi but that's like if you are like okay i'm gonna set a date to go to hbi or i'm gonna you know go go to the to the teacher's house or something you know whatever it, it's still something if you're excited about that that you're looking forward to do and that gives you a sense of purpose or a sense of drive and it raises the quality of your psychological life in my opinion yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense because um, it's something that you're always looking forward to, which makes the chemicals produce, you know, endorphins. Well, this is what's ironic is that I see so much focus on one's health with what you eat organically and what, what, you, what you're buying for food and what detergent you're washing for your clothes. It's very body oriented, okay? And that, those are all good things and they're all connected to your mind also. But the irony is, is what are people doing for their mental health? What, are, what, what kind of things are you doing to keep your, your mind and your personality and your emotions thriving? Right. Yeah, it's just as important. It, it needs just as much of attention as, as what you eat and put in your mouth and what you drink and what you smoke and yada, yada, yada. All of it is, is consequential in a, in a very evolved state of consciousness as we're evolving. And you, you recommend therapy to 
pretty much everybody then like for because you like talk therapy and stuff well i i think that if you don't have friends to talk with mm -hmm. that that maybe because a lot of white cells have limited amounts of friends because we mm -hmm. generally dislike people mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the truth yeah that's why i say gather with other white cells find find your tribe but if you don't have a family that you can talk to and you don't have friends that you can talk to enough then I'd say go to a regular therapist. Their job is to hear what your thoughts are, what your feelings are, and then make suggestions to you. But we are social creatures. We need to talk. We need to get ideas out of our mind. But I don't necessarily think you need a therapist if you if you plan on staying busy and you set things for you to do and you actually go out and do them when the time comes. I think that you just need a certain amount of engagement. I, I always have the greatest respect for people when we go to events and they'll say oh i've never been to an hbi event i i didn't come here with anybody i've only done hbi stuff for for x amount of time i really loved it and then they'll tell me about all these other things they go and do on their own and the fact that they can go and do it on their own i think is is brilliant i think that people have a fear of again rejection anxiety when they want to go to an event but they don't go to an event because they're afraid of rejection or they're not going to fit in or whatever and this is where you're creating your mundane life. You, you, you know, fear is the mind killer. So, so it's, it's like, you know, some people tell me they've been wanting to go to events for years and then they finally build up the courage to go and they say, I wish I would have done this years ago. I, I don't want to miss one single event ever again for the rest of my life. And I, I've never heard a negative thing ever. Have you? So the, at the end of the day, nobody can see. You. I know. I know. I, I heard you. Say. So the, the point is, is that 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 is the point it's it's about kind of conquering your fears by sticking your toe in the water and then deciding to take a step in fear 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 of meeting eric fear of what eric's going to think fear of what eric's going to do yada 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 yeah so it's it's about finding and committing to stuff to progress the forwardness of your own life because the one thing i can guarantee you you will regret when you're old is the fact that you didn't do more or that you didn't conquer your fears sooner. Because when you get older, you don't give a shit. I mean, we look at some of the people who go to events and if they're older, you know, they, they, some of them have gone around the whole world by themselves. And you, you hear their stories, it's just remarkable. But if they spent their whole life waiting for somebody to hold their hand to go with, they would have done nothing with their life. Or waiting for their specific partner or the specific right person in their life. They would have done nothing with their life. But then what about the... So that's maybe an example of a good fear of a fear of regret. Well, that is, a, is well, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a, <laughs> it can go both ways. Yeah. It's, 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 they're all, you know, loaded <laughs> questions, but you know, my, my point is, is that, yeah, you know, they're, 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 don't, you know, this is what I always say to students of mine that are, are younger than 30. Okay. If they're males and the same thing goes for females, but it's, it's, it's usually by the time they're 28 it's for a female, give or take, and for a guy, it's about 30 is that you will always feel insecure. You won't feel like a man or, or fully as a confident woman until you hit as a woman, at least 28 or as a, as a male until you hit 30. My point is, is not to think there's something wrong with you or that you're failing in some way or that you're not strong-willed enough or whatever. This is something that's designed in our nature. And the second that you can accept that, the second you can accept your strengths and know that, sure, I'm, I'm okay with all that. There's nothing wrong with me. 
A lot of people ask us, where is the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the Foundation Meditation System. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana, stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development, and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation Meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website, foundationmeditation.com, to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com. Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers-only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com. Order the set on discount now, and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now, order your set, and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts. Follow us on Instagram at higherbalanceinstitute, all one word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. When I was young, I recall sitting in the back seat of the family car as we drove somewheres, probably just to get away. I remember seeing the rivets of the back seat, the leather contour, the fabric and texture of the floor mat. I was small. I remember looking upward through the window, seeing the reflection of the glass of myself, a metal lining along the glass trim. I could only see the trees and the sky moving by. I thought I could touch it, so I did, reaching my hand out the window to touch it. I felt it. I felt the air pushing and moving beneath my hand and the warmth of the sun upon its back. I think it was at that moment I began to awaken knowing that sometimes when you want to find something, you don't always find it in the way that you think you're going to. You see, my hand, it moved against the wind, pushing, weaving, feeling it, touching it, and the sun warming, soothing, healing. Somewhere in between, I flew. Higher balance, we think outside of the box, a new kind of spirituality, a new kind of meditation, a revolution in consciousness.
Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio.